you'd be so kind, I'd like for us to go to the book of John, chapter 8. I want to read verse 11 in your hearing. After we have prayed, I will back up to verse 3 and come down through those particular verses and share with you what I feel that God would say unto us here today. I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I, I felt the Lord in the prayer room long before the prayer room was going this morning. And I felt him talk to me. And didn't our pastor do a great job this morning trying to get us out of poverty? Thank you, Pastor St. Clair. You've been, you've been prodding on me. My wife said I was too loud cheering you on. But, uh, but uh, I, I, I believe in what the pastor was preaching. I do. I, I, I believe in it. I, I believe it's the will of God for us to be blessed. Isn't it amazing how God can bring somebody in out of drugs that's been living on the street and in a year's time give them a home, give them a job, give them a car. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do you like Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor, for preaching to us. But I, I want to share with you what I feel in the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel like we got some souls in this house that's been looking and listening for this word. The word said in John chapter 8 and verse 11, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I want to preach a little while this morning on the greatest words ever spoken. I forgive. I forgive. Let's lift our hands and ask God to anoint Shelby Church. God, I thank you again this morning for your love, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness. Thank you for what you've done, and I'm asking God. There are hearts and lives you're speaking to. There are men and women, God, that your power, God, is reaching far. And I'm believing, God, that today you're going to turn their lives around. You're going to put marriages back together. You're going to put lives back together, Lord, because of your forgiveness, because of your cleansing, because of your power. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and thank him for the word we are receiving here today. You may be seated in Jesus' name. In verse 3 of that 8th chapter of John, And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast 
a stone at her. I want to tell us here this morning, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. Because I've come to tell us uh, that we've all sinned uh, and come short uh, of the glory of God. I've come to declare uh, that thank God uh, mercy uh, and grace uh, found me in my lowest moment uh, and picked me up uh, and brushed me off uh, and set me free. Uh, can I get a witness uh, in this house? Uh, does anybody know uh, about forgiveness? I said, does anybody know about forgiveness? Uh, does anybody remember where you were uh, when he spoke uh, those precious words uh, into your life? I forgive. He stooped again and rode on the ground. He wrote, and verse 9 said, and they which heard it. I don't know about you, but I have thought about this story. What did he write? The scripture said in verse 9, they were convicted by their own conscience. And they went out one by one beginning at the eldest. I want to ask, did he write the eldest name in the sand? And I wonder... If when he did, if he did, that the eldest son knew he was in trouble. You've got my name, but don't tell my story. Oh God. God, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Did he write the name? But before he began to write, the eldest walked away. Please don't write no more. Oh, God. I don't know about you, but I don't want my life story publicly told. Oh, God. And could it be that he was with her the night before? Because I find it rather amazing that they knew what she had done. Oh, God. Come on, somebody. How did they know where she had been and what she had done? Because those that are clean, by God, they don't go to them places. They that are washed, they that are, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
I'm telling somebody, uh, you don't want him writing uh, your life story uh, in front of everybody. But today, I've come to thank him uh, for forgiveness. I've come to tell somebody uh, it doesn't matter uh, where you've been uh, or what you've done. Uh, there's forgiveness uh, in this house. May I give some wise advice in this house? Before you cast stones, why don't you build an altar with them? Why don't you build an altar with them and see what happens then? Woo! It's hard to cast stones when you're kneeling at an altar. It's hard to look at somebody else and condemn them when you understand your frailty and your humanity. But I come this morning with good news. They brought her to the Savior. They brought her to the one who had the power and the authority to bring judgment. But what did he say? say neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more folks there's forgiveness in this house there's cleansing in this house and he's reaching with an outstretched hand to set the captive free In my vocabulary, the words love, joy, and peace are powerful. But it's not the greatest words that's ever been spoken into my life. It was when he looked at me at Calvary and said, I forgive. Woo! Let me tell you this morning, we are most like beasts when we kill. Oh God. I wonder how many people have been killed by the tongue. I remember a, a lady showing up at the church. And when she did, there were two ladies that went to the church standing outside talking about her and said, what is she doing here? One said, we know who she is. The other said, yes, she's an alcoholic. I come to tell somebody 
You're welcome here. I've come to tell somebody there's something wrong in the church when we don't have a few sitting on our seats. Well, come on, somebody. There's a drug addict. Let me tell you, you're welcome here because I once was lost. I once was bound. My God, we got them all across this house. I'm preaching to somebody. What about the power of forgiveness? We're most like beast when we kill. We are most like man when we judge. But we are most like God when we look at individuals and forgive. Because it takes the heart of God to forgive. It, oh God, it takes something divine that makes us forgive. I uh, was preaching in a church and there was a lady on the left hand side that was very joyous in her worship. It just gets a hold of me. When we get all carried away because somebody's shouting too much. Come on, somebody. Somebody gets a little joyous and we want to we want to grab them and take them outside. My question is why? If you never felt like that, I doubt you got what I got. And let me just tell some of you holy, righteous folks. If you're so holy and righteous, why ain't you doing it? Well, somebody help me here. When I think of the goodness of Jesus... Oh, I know we repeat it a lot, but my God, may I never forget where he brought me from, Brother Shaw. May I always remember I was lost and undone on my way to hell. Well, but God interfered. Thank God he interfered. She dancing and shouting. And you you could tell they, they were they were they were I, I guess why I got uptight is because folks do me that way occasionally. I you know I
And God, God continued to work in her and move in her. They turned the service over to me, Brother St. Clair. And I got up and I said, folks, just look up here at me. When you get what she's got, And so after church, I said, Brother, the question is, who is this woman? He said, Brother Shepherd, her name is Wanda. He said, About two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, she walked in and sat down on the back row. He said, Brother Shepherd, she's been our local prostitute for the last 30 years. But she walked in Wednesday night and I preached about mercy and grace. And she ran to the altar, repented of her sins. We baptized her in Jesus' name and she received the Holy Ghost and she's been shouting ever since. Why? Because she's forgiven. She's forgiven uh, that all life uh, is gone. Uh, her sins uh, have been washed away. Uh, she's forgiven. Yeah. You know what's so amazing about mercy and grace? You can live a lifetime of sin and despair. And you can pray the simple prayer, God forgive me. And a whole lifetime of sin can be gone forever. Hear me somebody. You're not beyond his reach for he's in this house to feel to the uttermost on this Sunday morning. A man fell into a pit and couldn't get out. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall down there. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you're in a pit. And a Pharisee said only bad people fall into a pit. A mathematician calculated how he fell into the pit. And a news reporter wanted the exclusive story on that man's pit. A fundamentalist said you deserve your pit. 
Confucius said, if you would have listened to me, you would not be in that pit. And Buddha said, it's only a state of mind. A realist calculated the pressure necessary, pounds per square inch, and the power it would take to get him out of the pit. A geologist told him, you ought to appreciate the rock strata that's in the pit. An evolutionist said, you're going to die in that pit so that you cannot produce any more pit-falling offspring. And the county inspector asked if he had a permit to dig a pit. And a professor gave him a lecture on the elementary principles of the pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of his pit altogether. And a self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything till you've seen my pit. A charismatic said, just confess that you're not in a pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. And a pessimist said, things will get worse. But Jesus. But Jesus, seeing me in my pit, reached out a hand and pulled me out of the pit. I'm telling somebody uh, that same Jesus uh, is here this morning. I don't know a whole lot, uh, but I know he's walking these aisles because uh, he told me to tell you uh, I'm here. Uh, I've come to do uh, the impossible uh, in your life. Uh, I'll forgive. Can we lift our hands and love him and thank him for his forgiveness? Woo! Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Woo! As we forgive our debtors. I'm telling somebody to receive forgiveness, you got to be willing to forgive. Forgiveness is a two-way street. And I'm telling somebody, whoever's harmed you, whoever's wronged you, I promise you that if you forgive him, there's forgiveness in this house for the soul that's been blackened by sin. Never forget, forgiveness is something we all need and it's something we can all give. 
Forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. And it's for me. I want to share a story with you. Don't get mad at me. Recently I shared a meal with some friends. And a husband and wife told me about a storm they were weathering. And through a series of events, this wife had learned of an act of infidelity that had occurred over a decade ago. And he had made the mistake of thinking it'd be better not to tell her. So he didn't. But ten years later she found out. And she was hurt deeply. And through the advice of a counselor, they dropped everything and went away for several days. A decision had to be made. Would they flee, fight, or forgive? And they prayed. And they prayed some more and they talked. And they prayed and they walked and they prayed and they reflected and they prayed. And in this case, she was clearly in the right. She could have left. Women have done so for far lesser reasons. Or she could have stayed and made his life a living hell. They've done that. Others have done that. But she chose a different response. On the 10th night of their trip, my friend found a card on his pillow. And on the card was printed this verse. I'd rather do nothing with you than something without you. Beneath the verse she had written these words, I forgive you, I love you, let's move on. I'm preaching to somebody in this house, it ain't always easy, but it's right. Brother St. Luke, you ain't told me about nobody in this house, uh, but somebody in this house uh, needs to understand about the power uh, of forgiveness. Uh, and this morning, uh, there is a transforming power uh, of the Holy Ghost uh, walking these aisles. Uh, and if somebody would allow it, uh, it'll do within your life, uh, within your marriage, uh, within your family, uh, what needs to be done. somebody Calvary was not fair but thank God for it surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows 
Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Why? Because on that cross, Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, then said Jesus, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. But because of it, on this Sunday morning, you and I have the opportunity to walk in newness of life. Do you understand that Jesus went to Calvary But there was another man by the name of Barabbas that should have hung on that cross. I want to ask you, when the jailer walked into that prison cell and began to rattle that lock on Barabbas' cell door, and the cell door came open, and he said, Barabbas, you're free to go. I wonder how long he waited. Woo! I wonder if he said there must be a mistake. I'm telling somebody, Barabbas ran out of that cell. And I've come to tell somebody, your cell door has been opened. I want to know, uh, what are you going to do about it on this morning? Uh, what are you, oh, uh, you're free, uh, you're forgiven. Uh, everything uh, has been made clean. Let's stand our feet and lift up our hands. Love him together. I went to high school with Larry Carter. He's a friend of mine. When he graduated from high school, he joined the Air Force and began a life of sin. Larry's probably the most talented guitar player I know. When he got out of the Air Force, he began to play in bars and honky-tonks, nightclubs. I remember the night when me and his sister and brother-in-law were singing and he made his way back to an altar. But a few nights before that, in a nightclub on New Year's Eve, he said me and my group had played our first set had taken a break and we walked back in there and I began to play again.
when all of a sudden there was two hands that came up and embraced me. And it was so literal that I turned and walked back to see who it was. And there wasn't nobody there. And he said, I walked back up thinking it was a fig of my imagination. And he said, I started to try to sing again. When those two hands embraced me again, and I knew who it was. Larry said, I took the strap off of that guitar and I laid it on the floor and I ran out the back door and said, God, what are you doing in here? God, this is unholy. This is unclean. What are you doing in here? And he said, God spoke to me and said, Larry, it's because I love you and it's time to come home. I'm telling somebody you're not too far this morning. I'm telling my God, if God had walked into a nightclub to reach somebody, what's he doing in this house? He's giving you a chance. He's giving me a chance to make right what's wrong. Somebody ought to run to this altar. Come on, backslider. Come on, sinner.